This week we read The Adventure of the Devil's Foot. Oh, for the... I guess I got the European edition. I read The Devil's Meter. What? Whoa! Murder at the Vickers and blood on the moors. Sunlight gonna come late. Hi, all our listeners. <laughs> harmonica i have a harmonica <laughs> uh welcome back uh the game is afoot all our buddies welcome back to the final pod blem your number one source for creepy sea shanties about the moors and the murders that happen on them i for my part am old cw the maven of mavencroft well and joining me here is nick <laughs> Join me here is Nick, who is pretty funny and has a harmonica. I yes. do. Um, yes. Yeah, I'm Nicholas Cohen. We're here today to talk about Sherlock Holmes. And okay, I... and no, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna immediately reverse my decision, Nick. Yeah, this episode's cursed, listeners. It we've is. tried. Yeah, we've tried <laughs> several times. This was our first lost episode, and we're trying again here. And yeah. uh, I think, as my intro just proved, there's some dark energy has descended upon us and is intent on preventing this from being the great episode. We all know it can be. So we're gonna look the devil in the eye and say, "Fuck you, sir." We're going to talk about this story. We're going to entertain these listeners. We're going to be best buds, and there's nothing you can do about it. Mm-hmm. Go to West Heck, sir. <laughs> I'd always call the devil, sir. There's no reason to be impolite. That's on me. That's not on him, right? Yeah, That's Yeah. All right. <laughs> so, we have a new game this week, Nick. Yeah. Yeah, our last... Uh, our last. Okay, first of all, our last game, where we tried to guess your... Twitter handle, yeah. Wayfarers underscore all, the, the origins of that. I mean, people eventually guessed it, so it wasn't... <laughs> it was a good one. See, here's the thing. Yeah. You gave me some false breadcrumbs, because I was listening to The Dying Detective today, and you told me that you thought that the wind in the willows yeah. was on par with the little prince in terms of, like, American pop culture knowledge. The Little Prince does not have a fucking ride at Disneyland, Nick! I forgot that Mr. Toad's <laughs> Wild Ride was based off the Wind in the Willows, because Fair. I try to not think about Disney-related things as much as possible. That's well, understandable. The, the other thing with that adaptation is it's just really not, like, it really has very little to do with the source that's material other that's than fair. the characters and the names that's fair but uh yeah that's that's true um people at least it know threw about me off Mr. the trail Toad, though whether they yeah you know what? i'm sorry about that i did not mean to mislead you no that's all right I forgot it's okay. that it was a mystery mystery <laughs> and an adventure yeah the ride does have a much less homoerotic subtext so <laughs> but congratulations um, to uh chris daly and andrew orsi who guessed correctly and so yeah, won mystery prizes well this week we've got a new game it's where nick is going to tell us two truths and a lie about mm-hmm. himself and if you can guess which one is which the first three people to guess which one is which will win a photography related prize uh, we haven't quite decided if it's going to be like a free print or a discount on one of his prints or something like that he'll mm-hmm. have to figure that out because well, that's on yeah. his end so give me give me give me the things and the things and i'll, I'll guess which one is which and you can tell okay. me you can tell me which is if i get it right and i'll believe it out mm-hmm. so okay um oh shoot i'm trying to like i swear to god did you forget <laughs> give me a second here no i know which one i know which one i am like i just i did think of two other ones um right the okay. truth uh two truths and a lie okay okay <laughs> so 
Okay, so you're guessing the lie. I'm guessing uh, the lie. Let's see. Okay. All right, I got it. Okay. So the first one, the first fact is that okay. I have climbed Mount Fuji in Japan. Okay. okay. The second fact is that I am my voice is featured in a Coldplay song. Okay. The third fact is that I have a black belt in karate. In karate. Okay. So yeah. I also like this, this one because there's no way for you to Google it. <laughs> there anyway. really there really is a list <laughs> no list of people who have climbed Mount Fuji. Yeah, no, that's not. <laughs> um see, I feel like what you're doing is yeah. for, first of all, I feel like you buried the lead on on one of them, but I feel like what you're what you're going to be. I don't I don't feel like you would do me dirty like this, but I feel like mm-hmm. the setup of the of the question is like, oh no, I have a black belt in taekwondo. Oh. No, 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 I wouldn't do okay. that. I did. I don't think you would. Okay, I'm going to say I've only studied karate so far. I'm I'm going to say that the it's two truths and a lie. Okay, so I'm going to say that the lie. Oh wait, it's two truths and a lie? Oh god damn it, Nick. Truth. I thought it was two lies and a truth. <laughs> wait. Hold on. <laughs> Let me Okay. So Buddy <laughs> I'm so sorry. It's this headache. Uh... Okay, Buddy. hold on. Okay, why don't we two recalibrate truths. and have a new context next episode? It'll be fine. Yes, please just edit yes. all that out. I'm so nope. sorry. Nope. <laughs> Absolutely not. Okay. So the oh, adventure of the truth. <laughs> One of those is true, though. One of those I is true. believe it. Okay. <laughs> you want to guess which one? I know which, which one? one is which. It's the karate one. No. It's the cold play one. I have a black belt. What? You're guessing it's the, the lie, right? I'm getting... No, I don't know what I'm guessing anymore. Never mind. I don't want to play this game anymore. It's, it's two lies and a truth. Guess which two one lies is true. And a tr- Okay, so yeah. the true... Did, it, did the I true... climb Mount Fuji? Am I in a Coldplay song, or do I have a black belt? Which one okay, seems the most true I to you? I feel like I would... I mean, you climbing Mount Fuji is in keeping with your character as a nature's man, but I feel like I would know if you had been to Japan. Although, admittedly, prior to this, I felt like I would have known if you had met Andy Circus, and here we are. <laughs> but... Okay, I'm gonna say the true one is that your mm-hmm. voice is in a Coldplay song. That's gonna Damn, be my guess. yes! Yeah. yeah. Is it a live recording? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, that's Can I it. tell you about it? It was cool. Please so, do. I saw I did see a cold I saw I've seen one Coldplay concert so far. Right. Um and it was Headful of Dreams tour in when I was living in San Diego. Uh one of my really good friends bought me tickets uh got bought three tickets or wait, four tickets to go and see it and so me and three of my bought friends bought you two went. tickets and a lie, right? Yeah, two tickets and a lie. And um <laughs> And we went and, uh, like, in the middle of the concert, they were suddenly like, hey, this is a new song that we just made, and this is the first time we're ever playing it, um, and so here's the, like, here's the chorus, we're gonna teach you the chorus real quick, we're gonna sing the song, and then you mm-hmm. all sing the chorus so that you're, like, it sounds like you already know the song. And so, um, so yeah, that happened, and then we, so technically, I was at that show when they debuted that song, 
and my voice is in there somewhere. There's no way you'd be able to pick it out because there were billions. That's of, hella cool. You know? <laughs> but yeah, so now I mention that every time. I'm like, uh, it'll just be playing casually, and I'll be like, oh, by the way, I'm, I'm in this song. They, you know, That's super like, you know. cool. I'm trying to, what's the, oh, the song's title is Life is Beautiful. So if you ever, if you want to go, it's a good song. If you want to go look it up, the live recording, I think is the only uh, recording of it out there that you'll find. But um, like, it's yeah. not on a, it's not on one of their records. They haven't done like a single of it. No, not yet. Yeah, just okay. the live recording audio. Cool. Yeah. Well, now you know. I've yep. been to uh, a couple. I've been to a couple of Night Vale's live shows when they came out mm-hmm. here, and uh, and a couple that of things. Awesome. And I always wonder because <laughs> it, it was they're always great, uh, and they always mm-hmm. end up putting those out. And I always wonder because they they chop it up from multiple shows to find the best cut, which is totally fair. But I yeah. always wonder, like, is my laugh in there? Am I was I hearing that? Who knows? It's always a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's wild. Now we know. Okay, we got to yeah. think of two. First of all, we got to decide what fucking game we're playing next week, but we'll right? figure it out. There's no contest <laughs> this week. We need, we need some Casey fun facts. We have enough Nick fun facts. Okay, next week we'll do Casey fun facts. Yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. The Adventure of the Devil's Foot. Damnation. So, <laughs> it begins. Watson explains uh, Holmes's aversion to publicity. And his habit of handing off credit to any random passers-by, including one Frenchman who had only stopped for directions. But later, and this is sort of implied to be after Holmes' retirement, I think, uh, Watson receives a telegram from Holmes, suggesting Mm -hmm. that he tell the public about the Cornish horror, the strangest case I have handled. Yeah, um, yeah, it starts off... uh with Holmes suggesting Watson write about that case. Uh, it was uh, at this time that Watson's writing the story. It's 13 years since that event occurred, Correct. since that case occurred. Uh, it's 13 years later. He's like, now's the time to finally talk about it. And um, the story can be told. Just, we don't know why Holmes randomly remembered these events and yeah. was persuading Watson to write about it. We don't know. doesn't. Who knows? Um, that yeah, that so, actually made me really happy just to picture Holmes yeah. like wandering among his beekeeping stacks and some random thought chain just makes him remember that. And he just goes, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. that shit was fucked up. I got to remind Watson. <laughs> He's just sitting there like high as fuck right? one night just like, oh, damn, remember that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> remember that time on the moors? <laughs> hey, John, remember that time we almost died? Which one? Yeah. <laughs> God. Which one so, so Sherlock is put on uh, medical leave, essentially. Uh, his yeah. his doctor, Dr. Moore Agar, um, essentially doctor crushers him, putting him on forced mm-hmm. rest. And there's a bit where Dr. Moore Agar of Harley Street, whose dramatic introduction to Holmes I may one day recount. And like... It's, Holmes is just allowed to meet people. It's fine. Like they don't, it's, he can't, he can't know every person he knows because somebody murdered someone they know. It's like one of the, one of the best bits from the BBC Sherlock is when Watson is getting to know him and he's meeting all these people who he knows. He's like, oh, he met him in that murder case. Oh, he met them in that kidnapping and extortion case. And then they, they go to like the, uh, just like the cafe they go to. And Sherlock mm-hmm. mentions that, oh, yeah, he always gives me extra fries because I helped him out one time. And Watson's like, oh, what was it? Was it a was it an embezzlement thing? And he said, no, I helped him put up some shelves one time. <laughs> that was amazing. <laughs> That's a such a such a solid joke. I love that. it is. Yeah. It's a solid rule of three thing. But that, that just made me really happy that Watson is like, this person who I'm mentioning once, but who is also dramatic. And it was... Right, it's like... It was on brand. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, 
there's a lot of like I love any kind of like the story of which one may one day be told kind of stuff and then it isn't but you know like it's good hashtag um, giant rat of Sumatra yeah right we want to know what is that what's going on was it a real we rat do. was it is it a capybara maybe who knows yeah there's all kinds of weird animals out there that's been around for forever huge guinea pig actually it's uh, true not really a rat nope um, scientific still rodentia yeah. though. Yes, yes, and also adorable, by the way. Yeah. Not saying rats, They're are, very rats good. are cute, but the, capybaras? Rats are very cute, but the capybaras, they'll sit in, like, the hot springs with all the oranges mm-hmm. floating around. Ah, oh, it's very good. Mm-hmm. Give me them, give me them also like the, critters. They're, like, the chillest animal ever. Like, they'll hang out with yeah. crocodiles, they'll hang out with every animal. Like, they're just buds. They're just chill. That's pretty good. They're just yeah. nature's homies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Holmes, surprising no one, uh, it doesn't give a shit about his health, see cocaine, yep. etc. Um, and he just <laughs> see he the just very believes... last story we were in, yeah, <laughs> where he exactly. doesn't eat for three days and is fine. God, um, <laughs> and he just sees his brain as a vessel for his 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 body rather as a vessel for his big juicy brain. But this begs the question: Does his brain not deserve a smooth, luxurious ride? And I think this was probably the argument that that won him over. So they retire to a little cottage um, in the Cornish Peninsula. I don't know where that is, but it's all stormlesome, and it reflects Holmes's mood nicely. What kind of stuff goes on yep. there, Nick? Uh, it's very isolated. There's a couple of yep. small towns. It's basically just somewhere that you go if you don't want to be around other people. And yep. Watson's like, surely if we go here... We can't possibly run into any mysteries because there's no one around. And then immediately they run into a mystery. There's no way. Yep. There can't be crimes if there's no people. And then there's, there is people. Um, it, they, we got a local vicar, vicar, Victor. We got a local Victor. Um, yep. it's my turn now. <laughs> so, so, yeah. Um, we got a local vicar, um, named Mr. Roundhay and we have his, Tenant who also lives at the vicarage with him, a man named Mr. Mortimer Trugenis. He is mm-hmm. an independent gentleman who takes rooms in the vicar's house. And yes. his family also, uh, Trugenis' family also lives nearby and will feature very immediately in this story, but he doesn't live with them for and reasons very briefly. we'll find out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So one day after breakfast, uh, Holmes and Watson are, you know, they've got like a, they've got like a really wholesome, peaceful routine. Uh, Holmes mm-hmm. has become obsessed with with analyzing the anthropological history of the Cornish language, which he believes is derived from Phoenician, because these Phoenician traders came over, and Watson, let me tell you, they were trading tin. And Watson, I'm sure, <laughs> pretends to be interested. And they go on uh, they, re- they go on walks on the moors every day. Shit is real healthy. It's real peaceful, real mm-hmm. wholesome. Um, I cannot remember the last time in my human adult life when I had no responsibilities set upon me. And furthermore, when I had no responsibilities set upon me and was emotionally okay with that, because yeah. <laughs> capitalism has driven us to this point where you really feel like you should be doing something at all times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's bad. Uh, I don't, me neither, honestly. Like even on my vacations, I'm like, I gotta, I gotta write. I gotta take pictures. I gotta do. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, I, have a quota I can't, I can't, meet. Just waste this time. Yeah, a, a certain friend of ours, uh, not li, li, Dill Nod, Dill Nod. No, that that sound. Nope, heard it as soon as I said it. Um, a certain friend of ours, it's definitely <laughs> Dylan. Um, will occasionally text me and just say, "Man, I dill haven't done pickle. any." There it dill is, Dill Pickle uh, um, Spooner. <laughs> yes, will occasionally text me and say, "Like, dude, I haven't done anything today, and I feel bad about it." And I'm like, "Dog, it's okay. You're allowed to just exist." You don't have to produce. 
every second of every day just be a human just just absorb the sunlight anyway so this is the healthy wholesome routine into which they have settled one day after breakfast presumably consisting of a giant fried opium cube uh these two men mr round hay and mr trojanus come a calling on holmes and watson saying that quote the most extraordinary and tragic affair has occurred during the night that's right the death of princess diana no that's not true um Holmes agrees instantly. He's like, yes, please. I would like to mystery. Mm -hmm. And Watson <laughs> uh, is honestly not super happy about their job having found them on vacation, which is entirely fair. Right. Yeah, he's like, come on, really? Um, it's his vacation, yeah, too. He, so yeah, tell us the Watson's vicar's tale, Nick. so hard to, to help out here and just do his job as a doctor it must be so frustrating to be like yeah like watson's obviously down for all kinds of weird stuff and adventures and all that stuff but he's still a doctor and he's still yeah. friends with holmes that's gotta be just infuriating it's gotta yeah. be like if you go into like like your your job is like fashion or something or clothes right. and you have a like your best buddy in the whole world just dresses like a garbage pile. It's like it's gotta be like that. <laughs> I don't know. I'm definitely I, feel, not, I don't I, have anyone in mind at this moment. I was about to say I feel all, added. But no, it's like I also wear t shirts every single day, Casey. Like I'm not no. Um Okay, cool. <laughs> I have a all different right. one for every day of the week. <laughs> a different graphic yeah, t shirt. I just I go to the store for milk and I come back with a graphic t shirt. It's that's fair. It's a it's a it's a problem. Um yeah. they just make I used cool to ones. be the guy. I used to be the guy who wore like plaid not not like flannel plaid, but like nice nice plaid pattern, you know, button ups. Mm -hmm. I'd roll up the sleeves, I'd wear a nice vest over it. And then it turns yeah. out that once you're not twenty three anymore, it's real easy to get real fat. So <laughs> <laughs> T-shirts fit everybody. T-shirts do type. fit everybody. Be and comfy. You're going to die one day. It's fine. Be Don't worry exactly. about it. Exactly. It's not worth it to look good sometimes if you can just be comfy. Yeah. Like, well, and like, I mean, also adjust your definition of look good. Like, it's, it don't, don't worry about looking what you think you should look like. Just look at yourself and say, do I look fly as hell in this Captain America yeah. shirt? Yes, I do. Then you're good to go. Dress for you and nobody else. Correct. So, okay. So, so tell anyway. us, tell us the vicar, the vicar's <laughs> tale, Nick. Right. So, um, Mr. Mortimer Trojanus, uh, one, the, the night before, I believe, uh, they show up at Holmes' mm -hmm. house just now. This just happened. Um, he, he comes, uh, he, or he's visiting his, uh, family for the night at their house. Uh, he's got Correct. a sister and two brothers and their housekeeper. Two uh, truths and who, a lie. Yep. Two truths and a lie. And, um, <laughs> and, uh, and he's going over to their house to play some cards, to have dinner, play some cards, and they're all sitting around, they're playing a card game, they're playing Whist, right? Is that it? Correct. Whist? Yeah, yeah, Whist, which is a, and... it's, it's a, it's a grandfather in the, like, trick-taking game family, where you each play a card, and there are certain rules about what kind of card wins, and if you have the card that wins, then you take all of the cards that have been played, and your, mm. you know, your hand can be complete. It's, it's a, it's a fairly simple game, and its beauty is that it can be evolved upon, like, um, like hearts and spades are both trick-taking games from the Whist family, so, yeah. Okay, cool. Wait a minute. So, so have you climbed Mount Fuji? No, that was a lie. I have been in Japan. Oh, okay. Though. Yep, moving on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, uh, my, uh, yeah, we, we hosted a lot of, uh, like, uh, Japanese, what? <laughs> Nothing. We did, like, the, we did, like, host family stuff where, like, 
you know, sure. like high schoolers go to from one. So uh, anyway, no, 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 no. you know, okay. but it, it, it's it's <laughs> it's involved. But um, but yeah, I have been to Japan. Um, <laughs> that was too late. Wait, what? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> okay. There are layers to this. There are layers to this. Okay. <laughs> I'll tell you more about Japan next time. <laughs> okay. More about Japan next time. So he's playing. I was, he I was, four, playing I was 14. I was 14. And the most exciting part of the trip to me was going to the Pokemon Center. <laughs> That's understandable. That would still be the most yeah. exciting part for me. Right. To this day. Yeah. No. Um, so anyway, <laughs> they're playing Whist. They're sitting around playing they're Whist. They're playing Whist. Um, Being wistful. And. And. Uh, everything seems to be going fine. Uh, yeah. The, this is the account we get from uh, Mortimer Trigenis. He goes over to his family's house. They're playing whist. Everything's great. Um, there's one point in the night that's kind of weird where he sees his brother look out the window. His brother's facing the window. He sees him look out for a second, kind of like he saw something maybe, but mm. it's unclear if it's even a person or an animal. There's really no way to tell it's dark out there. And he just right. kind of shrugs it off and is like, whatever. And the night is getting a little late. He... Uh, Trigenis leaves his uh, his sister and two brothers uh, playing around the uh, playing cards around the table. Nothing seems amiss. The next day, um, the three of them are discovered still around the table in the exact same position, and mm-hmm. the two his two brothers have been apparently driven mad out of their minds. Yes. They're sitting there, they're just gibbering nonsense. They and they have a look of horror on their face of just terror. And they're acting like that. And then the sister is also has a look of horror on her face and she is dead. And they're still all sitting around the table. The candles have burned completely down. And I think, uh, he, Trudentis discovers this because he goes back the next morning and sees them and sees them in this condition. He immediately calls a doctor. The doctor comes in and when the, and it's mentioned that when the doctor enters the room, he, uh, he gets a little bit faint and has to like sit down because there's right. a really stuffy atmosphere in the room as well. A miasma. Um, yeah, and which the maid notices as well and throws the window open. But even after the window is open, it still is lingering. And, and that bad air. There's a consistent pattern in the story, consistent language uh-huh. used regarding the brothers and uh, and the sister of their minds having been blasted, being destroyed, mm-hmm. of reason yeah. having been wiped from their minds in a very active, very malevolent voice and tone. And mm-hmm. this is... It's, I think it's really trying to set itself up as a horror story because it's an isolated location. It's near some yeah. creepy, some creepy old ruins and mm-hmm. it's, it's out in the middle of nowhere. And we, we get kind of the feeling that we talked about it a little bit in the speckled band, how when they went out to that like plantation in the middle of nowhere, it was like back in the woods. It's kind of like the rules weren't exactly the same there and things got weird. And I think. Right. I think the setting here is kind of the same thing. Because, like, we all know there ain't monsters and demons and devils. And then you're out in the country alone at night, and it is very dark. And but suddenly a, yeah. a lot more things seem a lot more possible. Yeah, but what if? Exactly. Yeah, so that's kind of... That's the tone that's being that's being taken here is not that these people were gripped by some disease, not that some attacker came and did this, but that like something has destroyed the minds of these two men and literally killed this woman. Um, right. And I mean, that's Trigenis, a super effective uh, trope in 
scary movies and horror just in general yeah. because like people dying is awful but people being driven to the brink of madness is worse because right. they're still alive they're still alive and suffering so it's like yeah, yeah all the elements are there the isolation the the madness um mm-hmm. at, like the psychological horror is to me at least always much scarier than just oh monster yeah. out they're gonna get you you know yeah and it it definitely is yeah yeah, and there are a couple of well-known tropes and techniques for that. Lovecraft was the, mm-hmm. you know, the um, the trope originator and trope codifier of going mad from the revelation of the idea that there are, there are some things that the human mind is simply not equipped to handle. And the, mm-hmm. the implication is that one of those, whatever it might be, is here. And then there's another trope called nothing is scarier, which has to do with the fact that, you know, whatever you let the reader or the audience or whoever imagine to themselves is always going to be worse than anything you could come up with every time. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Even just the fact that, like, it's called The Devil's Foot, and we don't know, and you, all you have so far is the title at this point yeah. uh, to work on, So there's and there's a vicar involved, so obviously it's trying to, like, the the red hair, the, obviously it's not going to be supernatural, because the Sherlock Holmes stories don't deal with the supernatural, but right. he wants you to think that, who knows, you know, maybe there's there's at least the the mood of something right. creepy or An atmosphere going yeah. on. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so that, that, uh, Holmes has, uh, all of that information, and, uh, I think the vicar, I, do they, does the vicar and Trigenis leave, and then Holmes and Watson go, or do they all go together? I think Holmes immediately think... kind of decides, like, we gotta go to the scene. Yeah, they, uh, they all head over there, I think, all together, and mm-hmm. let me see here, the investigation, yeah, it goes poorly at first, uh, they head to the house. The road there is narrow and winding and creepsome, and they, they mm-hmm. stand aside to let a carriage pass, out of which flash a pair of grinning, contorted faces, the brothers being taken off yeah. to the sanitarium. And like, there's, mm-hmm. there's a lot of, there's a lot of very important, very valid discourse about like, bias against mental health uh you know listener mm-hmm. if you're listening to this both of your hosts have mental health problems you probably <laughs> do too and like the the conversation is really centered around the fact that mental health it's it's not so much like you either have problems or don't it's about trying to calibrate that machine and so mm-hmm. there's been a lot of a lot of push towards lessening the use of terms like crazy and insane because they stigmatize mental health and stuff like that. But we're not talking about, like, dismissing a person who has anxiety and depression and stuff like that. We're talking about two people who have literally been driven out of their minds and out of sensibility. So they Mm -hmm. are... These two brothers ain't coming back. They they have been sent uh, to the literal madhouse. Oh, yeah. I will will, um, talk and hypothesize all day about uh, various, uh, like mental issues that Sherlock Holmes might have had as a character. I think there's a lot of, like I've said before, I think there's a lot of evidence for him not being a neurotypical person. I think it's pretty obvious in the text. And not just because he's so smart, but just because certain habits and things that he exhibits are pretty uh, indicative of that. Um, But this story doesn't have anything to do with that. It's more about just like people who become so afraid they lose their minds. Basically, they're yeah, not in touch this is, with yeah. themselves anymore. This is madness, yeah, madness not in the sense of mental health, but in the in the horror sense of things. Yeah. Yeah, from they're they've been driven mad from fear, specifically. Yes. Um at least from what so we they, can see so far. 
Yeah. They uh, wander around the house a little bit. Holmes accidentally knocks over a water pot, soaking everybody's feet, completely by accident, I'm sure, because that's how <laughs> Sherlock does anything ever. Uh, they they meet Mrs. Porter, who is the old house mum who takes care of all the family there, uh, with the help of a young girl who is never named, I don't believe. Uh, Holmes asks her a bunch of questions. She says she heard nothing in the night. She was asleep. Um, the family was in excellent health and spirits, and she fainted yeah. upon finding them in the morning. She fainted and then threw open the window once she ran up, then ran down the lane to send a farm lad for the doctor. Um, the sister is dead in her bed upstairs. The brothers are off down the asylum, and Mrs. Porter, for her part, is off to rejoin her family in St. Ives, which is fair because she no longer has a job, which sucks. Yeah, yeah, um, and also probably needs a good break after that. Probably. <laughs> well, something that is important to note uh, that was yeah. mentioned in passing is that mm -hmm. the reason Trigenis wasn't staying with his family was because there had been some bad blood between them. Uh, they apparently come from mining folk, and after the sale of a tin mine, I believe it was a tin mine, um, yeah, it is. There, was, there was some contention over how those monies were divided, and there was a bit of a falling out. Everyone claims everything is fine now, so it's all mm -hmm. water under the bridge, but still, he's not staying with them. So, but is it? And, is it? Is, is it? it, though? Is it? <laughs> is it, though? <laughs> is it you're he's a rich white man do you really think he's gonna forgive and forget <laughs> <laughs> you really think he's just gonna be okay with that when it's money that's yeah. involved exactly um, so what happens next so so then um homes and they and then also uh they i think the only thing that's been moved when they arrive on the scene is the sister who is uh correct up in on, on a bed they go and check out they go examine her body real quick, uh, just briefly, and she has no physical injuries. Again, it's just, she apparently just died of fear. And she right. still has, like, a, like a slight, I think Watson describes it as she still has, like, a slight look of, like, horror just about her features lingering. Um, yeah. Even after death, which, again, creepy as fuck. I love it. Yep. Um, very effective. So then, yep, they leave, so they leave the crime scene, and, um, they're, they're walking oh they go they go back to the the cabin or the um the place that they're staying and uh i think is it is it, it's kind of like a cabin it's like a oh a cottage there we go i'm like cottage, what's the yeah. non woodsy what's the beach version of a cabin yeah. in the woods um, it's where the gross yeah, cheese cottage. comes from yeah there you go um yeah cottage cheese uh you just keep it in the the cottage basement um let it get all uh, lumpy <laughs> Down, down there, right? Like, Jesus Christ! Yeah, on, like, cottage cheese. Naturally, naturally conducive <laughs> to lumping. Yeah. What's your uh, What's your opinion of cottage cheese, case? Not Not a fan. Not a fan. Nope. It's I gotta gross. tell you, uh -uh. It shouldn't exist. Nope. Okay. Real good. gross. Cream cheese. Back. Cream cheese is dope as hell. I just I don't Somehow, need. Somehow, yeah, it's the wetness. Cream cheese. It has is. the same consistency as like. I don't know. Like it, it's it's like butter. It's meant to be spread it on is. a bagel. Like it's, it's not, cheese butter. It doesn't, yeah. It's not going to make it damp. It's not. You can't put cottage cheese on a bagel. You can't. And you should. I mean, and I you, would prevent you, could, you if you I tried. Guess if you're no, masochist, you could. But... I would not let you. No, <laughs> no, no. Um. So <laughs> that's the. That's where my brain decided to go. Cottage cheese. Thoughts. Hummus. Thoughts. Um. So <laughs> you gotta. We gotta. Um. So. <laughs> Oh my Keep God. spinning, Nick. I'm so sorry. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm just digging my way into this. <laughs> Did you ask me for my thoughts on hummus? 
It was a it was a reference to Brooklyn Nine Nine. There's a scene where a character is like desperately trying to make small talk with someone, and she has no idea what to talk about. So she's just like hummus thoughts. And oh, that's <laughs> like, right. I was like, God, is she's thoughts. God, um, I love Brooklyn Nine Nine. The fact that I didn't catch really that means good. I need to do another watch through. Yeah, uh, it cut that specific like screenshot or kind of became a meme that's why i remember it so clearly but um that yeah, sounds uh, like a santiago line is that santiago yeah it is yeah 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 that's that's <laughs> about is. right that, that tracks yeah yeah so anyway cottage cheese aside they <laughs> go back to the co- cottage that's what this sorry, whole episode okay. has been so, a cottage cheese aside <laughs> there's the title we got it there it is ding um, <laughs> ding ding uh Listen, l- listeners, this is the third time we've tried to record this episode, and honestly, <laughs> this is the best one so far by a significant margin. So, considering considering the hardships and the trials that we went to to get this episode, I think it's going pretty good so far. Yeah, no, Watch you're gonna me realize you're gonna that I haven't been recording any of this at the end of this. <laughs> oh my no, god! Um, I'm sorry, I shouldn't joke about that, Casey. I'm so sorry. It's okay. No, I just checked my audible. We're good. All it's right. fine. We're so good. anyway, they're back. They're back at the cottage. They're back at the cottage. We're yes, they are. Um, making cheese and Holmes. <laughs> <sighs> Just take you out at the knees every chance I get. That's it. That's it. Um, so Holmes sits and thinks for a while. He smokes a few dozen pipes. Um, sure. Watson reads a endeavoring paper or something. a a course of nicotine poisoning. He says, and um. Yeah, it's kind of funny because, like, Holmes smokes so much, and he also jokes about how much he smokes, which I think is kind of funny. Um, yeah, it's pretty this, good. Oh, I have an interesting note about substance abuse, by the way. So, in, in this, uh, in the Granada Jeremy Brett adaptation of this episode, there's no. a scene where uh, it, it actually implies in the episode that the reason why his health is so bad is because of the cocaine specifically. And sure. he, and Jeremy Brett, uh, endeavored to have a whole this was not in this he went off script for once which is rare because he was usually like carrying around a copy of the canon he was very like known for being for wanting it to be close to script but in this one instance he realized that um he he wanted to make a scene and they do in the episode where he takes his uh syringe for that he uses for the cocaine and he takes it out like there's a scene of him just going out onto the beach and then like burying the syringe under the sand and then walking away from it and the reason why that scene is in there is because he realized that there was such a large audience of kids watching this sherlock holmes series and he wanted to make it extremely clear uh that cocaine is bad and that holmes quits cocaine at one point because it ruined his health all right and so he had that scene thrown in there for um for that reason and i read that like behind the scenes kind of trivia somewhere and i just thought it was kind of cool and I wanted to mention that is kind of cool. This episode, yeah, it's really, like, it teaches it teaches them two lessons. It teaches them that drugs are bad, and that it's a good idea to leave used drug paraphernalia, including yeah, needles, in... at the beach. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm glad. Yeah. I'm glad to see that Southern California at least took that lesson to heart. <laughs> right, I know. Yeah, and still to this day, uh, you can find. Yep. <laughs> But yeah, no, I just, I, yeah, I thought that was kind of neat. Um, you know, that is really fun, good, like, actually. I'm glad there, he, yeah. I'm glad he took that opportunity. I don't, I, I mean, editorializing like that is, is always, 
something to talk about you know what what position an actor has in relation to the work but that uh i think that's probably a good one i think it was a yeah i think it was a good call in this instance because it's like you really can't control to like you can only control to a certain degree degree who's gonna be an audience of your show and it's like you might as well try to like you know exactly whatever you i mean i mean to, if he's yeah. if he's gonna be smoking the entire episode anyway we should probably cut one of these <laughs> yeah right yeah um so anyway there's that uh so yeah there uh yeah so holmes is uh thinking about the problem he realizes he doesn't really have enough information to have any conclusions yet so he's gonna just take a break from it they go uh he's like watson let's go get some fresh air let's you know yep. he's holmes is acting much more revived now that he has something to think about he's you know acting like he's feeling better they go uh they go for a walk and they review everything they already know about the case they're like we're gonna we're gonna go over what we do know so that we can that it'll hopefully lead to what we don't yeah well and he he it it is revealed that he spilled that water pot specifically to get a clearer impression of uh mr trigenesis footprint uh, by which Mm -hmm. they were able to track his movements and ascertain that he did in fact go straight home after the events of the evening um there were no footprints around the window the window through which uh both trigenesis claimed to have saw some kind of creepenfus skulking about outside Mm -hmm. so nobody creeped up through the window and like startle pated them so bad that they went off their off their gourds mm-hmm. yeah so it's yeah. partially so part of it we at least know is true he did leave the house and but it's also it, it can't be true that or it's unlikely that he did that the thing about seeing someone out the window was true because yeah. um it was also something about like the, it, the fog it was like a particularly foggy night there's no way that yeah. visibility wise he could have even seen anyone they would have had to be standing at the very window and there's there was no footprints there, so that couldn't be true. Some of this math uh, isn't adding up. Yeah, yeah, something's not adding up. So they go over all of that. Uh, he he tells all of that to Watson, and then they're visited by um, uh, someone else. Someone else shows up. Yeah, at, college, at, at their college, at their cottage. At their <laughs> cottage, <laughs> college. college That's right. Nick, do you from. remember? Do you remember who I told you this guy reminded me of? Yes. Sort yes. Of. Wait. Do it again. Look it Say up. It Open up your Google. It's really good. Open it up. Yep, listeners, listeners, do it. Do it along with Nick. Open up your what's open his, up your Google. What's his name? Crank up the Google machine. His go ahead and Google Sergey Cravenoff or Craven All the right. Hunter. And you will get how I think everyone should picture this gentleman, Dr. Leon Sterndale, the great lion hunter and explorer, who is something of a hermit and, and native to the yeah. area. Yeah. He's what do wearing you see? a lion for a shirt. He is wearing, <laughs> he is wearing a lion He's wearing a, for a shirt. And he, he got and them I'm jaguar jeggings. At all. And he's got them jaguar jeggings. Yes, very good. Very yeah. This good. guy. This guy looks like he could kick my ass. You know what? Knowing absolutely nothing about this comic book book character at all, I'm just going to guess what he does. Okay. Okay. So, I okay, here's what I wish it was. I wish that he is a good guy and he kills people who are poachers. He kills poachers. He's like the... He has done that. the defender of the Sierra. The that has the been badlands, true. The the yeah, oh really oh yeah. right, sweet, but I think actually he's a villain, and he. That's all I got. I don't know. Okay, well he's here's, here's, super the, here's the thing. Craven yeah. the Hunter, Ser- Sergei Kravenov, is a Russian noble who uh, at one point I believe becomes cursed to uh, 
be unable to die or rest until he hunts the strongest, most dangerous creditor. Predator, not creditor. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> until he abolishes stupid I wish that's what it was about. <laughs> yes! No, um, until he, he slays the most dangerous mm. prey on the planet, which is Spider-Man. Don't ask. So, um, sure, Craven yeah. the Hunter has been around for like 40 goddamn years, and when you've been around mm-hmm. that long, you go through every iteration of villain, hero, team-up hero, even though you're a villain, anti-villain, anti-hero. And so it's, <laughs> he's, he's been a million things, but his consistent mm-hmm. thing is he's one of those guys like Teddy Roosevelt who was like, I love animals so much. I can barely express it and I am going to kill one of every kind of them to prove it. <laughs> so gotta catch them all. Exactly. Them all. He does. He gotta catch them all. Um, in our, uh, upcoming project that I don't know if we can talk about yet, uh, he actually becomes friends with Squirrel Girl. Oh, really? Sure. They're both animal themed. They are. He has a really bitchin' <laughs> van with him airbrushed on the side and it's called the Cray Van. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I already it's love it so much. Very good. Yes. <laughs> That's great. Okay, so yeah. So um, this guy they shows up home. at their college. Their yeah, college. Sergey Craven. Craven the Hunter shows up at their college cottage cottage. She's college cotton. <laughs> cotton. Cotton Hill. Yes. Uh, so he shows up and what is his, what is his, what is this furry fucker want? Oh my god, I just realized his name is Leon Sterndale. His name is yeah. Dr. Lion. Yep. That's sure pretty is. good. You just realized that. Dumb. <laughs> My first Real read through, I was like, Dr. Le- yeah, that, yeah, sure, that makes sense. And he kind of looks like, he's described as even looking like a lion, where he has like a thick mane of like long hair and a big Being old beard. Being a leonine guy, he got a real like look, Rufus just, Scrimgower thing going on. There's, yeah. Yeah, there's a theme, there's a theme here. It's so, very good. So yeah, this guy, <laughs> this guy shows up, um, and he apparently just wants to know what's going on with the Tridentis right. family. He, he claims to be a friend of the family. Um, he, and Watson knows this guy as, uh, he's a famous lion hunter. He, Correct. uh, he's out in Africa hunting lions and explore, uh, lion hunter and explorer is how he's described. And he, he, uh, Leon, Dr. Leon Startail, he, he shows up, he says, Hey, I, I just got, I was on my way to Africa on a boat right now when I heard about this. So I came straight back. And Holmes is like, whoa, whoa, you, you missed your boat just to come back for, for this family? Like, that's, that's friendship indeed. You must have really, like, right. you're, you must be very involved in this somehow, you know? And, and um, he tries to play it off like, no, no, it's <laughs> fine. I'll, I'll catch the 830. It's not a big deal. Yeah, it's, I'll catch the, I'll catch the 830 yeah. ship <laughs> to Africa. I'll catch the next Africa. boat to Africa. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so Holmes is like, all right, so anyway, go on. And he, uh, he describes his relationship with the family at, does he, does he mention anything specifically just that he, he's a friend of the family? And he does. Concerned. They are, they are apparently very distant cousins. Um, so mm-hmm. he is known to them, longtime friend of the family, and he received a telegram, uh, from the vicar, Round Hay, alerting him to the death and tragedy, which caught him, apparently, uh, at the Plymouth Hotel just before he was to set off for Africa. And yeah, he had all of his shit, sent off to Africa. And here's the thing, like, I don't think I agree with Holmes on this, because, like, we later learned that this dude was, like, moving to Africa. Like, he wasn't just going there for a trip. Like, that was all of his shit. So Holmes asking, Holmes being suspicious of this, is like, if you were moving, 
and then something happened, and you sent the U-Haul ahead of you to where you were going, Holmes would be like, well, why'd you send your U-Haul? You didn't think you'd need your couch for the next week? Like, like it just <laughs> it doesn't make any sense to me. It's like, it, it yeah. is perfectly reasonable. <laughs> it's kind of weird. I mean, I kind of thought that, like, his his stuff just meant, like, his suitcase with, like, his toothbrush, his clothes, yeah. his whatever. And in that case, it'd be like, yeah, you'd kind of be screwed if you lost your, like, main possessions. Uh, yeah. Like, daily his possessions. His several hundred pounds of illegal ivory. Yeah. You know, yeah, like, his hair gel and all that stuff. Um, so His hair gel yeah. made from, like, powdered <laughs> rhino's horn. Yeah. <laughs> um, just, like, yeah. Giraffe sweat beard oil. Just, exactly. Oh, just rub guys. it on in there. It makes it shine yep. with spots. It's very good. <laughs> so I use every part <laughs> of every animal. <laughs> At least none of it's going to waste. So when I get out of the yeah. shower, I dry my hair with a with a. I dry my hair with a tiger's dying breath. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I <laughs> yes. I, I, I shouldn't have even like open that door for you because i knew you'd just go busting through like a dog to the backyard and yet here we are <laughs> yet here we like are. craven offers he offers you a beer and he's like oh you don't have a can opener no big deal he brings like an entire like leopard's paw and just like <laughs> just opens it <laughs> <laughs> yes God. i love this guy um this guy's so- great <laughs> Are we even talking about Craven or Dr. Leon Stern? Yes, no, we don't know. This both. Is the same. There is no distinction. Same. They both have onesies it's... made of a skinned orangutan. <laughs> this is actually a little-known uh, crossover episode of yes. whatever franchise this guy's from and Sherlock Holmes. The, the Marvel Universe from? and Sherlock Holmes. Is he from Spider-Man? He's just yeah. – oh, he's got his own. He's got his own. Well, like, no, he he offshoot. was from Spider Man. He started off as a as a as a as one of Spider Man's villains, I believe, as one of the Sinister Six, his um his main bad guys, and Sick. eventually, yeah, it is. It's radical, <laughs> and eventually he like he comes to some sort of balance because he takes it too personally, and then it's about like the hunter prey relationship, and eventually he I don't know Craven like as bad guys go, Craven isn't the most evil, but he is definitely one of the scariest because he's just a regular ass human like he doesn't have mechanical octopus legs or or any of that shit mm-hmm. he he but he he's just a will dude literally with a gun. Murder. <laughs> exactly like at one point i think it's in an issue of squirrel no he doesn't have a gun huh like spears and no. shit and his bare hands have you seen what this man wears nicholas is that a man carrying a gun <laughs> i'm like, purely going off of my google search it appears that he has a couple of like rifles or okay something. fair enough i don't know i there could have be been wrong. like yeah there's the gritty 80s reboot. yeah all right but yeah. like at one point in one issue of Squirrel Girl, Squirrel Girl befriends him and is like, "We could really use his help here with this, guys." And Spider Man says, "Uh, Squirrel Girl, hi. That man has literally hunted me. I would prefer we not work with him <laughs> if at all possible." <laughs> God. Okay. Enough about Craven the Hunter. Enough. So, what happens next? It's the next morning. Um. Yes. So this so dude, well this morning. this dude is he's mad he's mad this guy is mad I'm sorry I didn't mean to cut you off but this guy is mad oh, no, that okay. Holmes doesn't have more information for him essentially yeah yeah Holmes yeah. basically sends him away like hey we we don't really know enough yet and also investigation like, ongoing you are yeah it's like an ongoing investigation can't really tell you that much and Cerndale's obviously 
upset about that, but yeah. he's kind of just like, all right, whatever, and he leaves. And Holmes is just kind of like, all right, that's interesting, so we got to keep an eye on this guy. Yeah. The we'll keep next... you in the loop, person who is invested to an unreasonable degree. <laughs> right. Um, and is it the very next day? that? Uh... It is. It's the next morning. Yeah, so the very next morning, um, I believe it's the vicar. The vicar shows up back at the cottage, very upset. Yep. And um, he... He just opens with like, "Mr. Holmes, the devil is in my house." Basically, and Holmes is like, "I'm sure that's not yeah. the case." Please, literally, literally, and, Satan and himself the, is the devil. His he's here. Yeah. He's been here. Um, and it turns out that uh, Mortimer Trigenis is now dead in the same way that Super his dead. his sister or brothers just died. Um, yeah. He he was found in his room with um, again, kind of like a foggy atmosphere. The window has been thrown open, but there's still. Um, there's still something in the air there. And he was found dead at a table um, in his rooms uh, with the same look of horror as was seen on his dead sister's face. And so Holmes um, Holmes and Watson immediately go to the vicarage to, to the scene of the crime. They arrive there before the police and doctor and everything. This has literally just happened. It's fresh. Nothing's been moved. Uh, Holmes just goes wild all over the, um, all over the crime scene, he's running around. He's going in. He does. And out he goes to town. Yeah, he collects a couple of samples. Uh, one from the lamp and the I think maybe from the windowsill too, or is it just the lamp? Oh, he gets. Think he I'm... also gets some gravel from in front of um his window from uh Trigenis's window outside the window. There's some gravel on the ground. He he takes a sample of that and he scrapes some of the ash from the lamp, uh, and puts it in a little envelope i guess i just imagine like a piece mm-hmm. of paper or an envelope or something and um yeah. the precursor to the to the plastic crime scene evidence baggies well then yeah holmes energizes he examines everything um they note importantly that the bed had been slept in so this happened this man died early in the morning and he was by his own admission habitually an early riser given to taking walks before his breakfast so something caught him shortly after he got out of bed holmes energizes examines everything takes some samples here and there and then uh says that they're just going to hand it over to the police because they're not officially, you know, involved. And then they retire to ponder the matter for, like, days. So Holmes yeah. is, they're doing a piece of deducing, uh, experimenting mm-hmm. with lamp oils in similar. Holmes points out that every report of these incidents includes that the atmosphere of the scene was stuffy and depressive and difficult to breathe in. Even the doctor fell into the chair. He swooned some, as did Mrs. Porter, who properly fainted when she entered and uh, then opened the window afterwards. And after Trigenis was found, the servant who opened the window, the unnamed servant girl, was so ill that she had to go to bed. Conclusion? Poison. To do with combustion. Somehow. He doesn't know, but he's got a lead on it. Some kind, yeah. Correct. So there's yeah. some connection between the burning of the lamp, the stuffy atmosphere, and the madness and the death are all nearby. Hypothesis. In the Trigenis household, whatever it was, whatever the substance was, was placed in the fire. The woman, quote, presumably the more sensitive organism. Hey, listeners, it's Editor Casey, the guy who makes this thing. So, uh, quick content warning. We are about to discuss something truly upsetting and, like, 
you know, this episode is replete with the usual uh, murders and satanic rampages through the Cornish countryside and men wearing leopard print jeggings. But uh, we're about to discuss, like, a medical technique that is uh, incredibly visceral and very bad. And, like, we realized as we were talking about it that we can never unknow it, and we wanted to give you guys the chance to not know it. So if medical horror isn't your bag or you find it especially upsetting, um, you can go ahead and just skip, I think, about two minutes forward, and you should probably probably be fine. So we just wanted to give you that chance. Um, if you want to hear about one of the sickest fucking things you've ever heard, then prop open your listeners and keep on keeping on, kiddos. You know, the sensitivity necessary to grow an entire human and have it tear out of you in the most horrifying <laughs> display of biological violence anyone can imagine. Was uh, The woman was killed and the men were driven to lunacy. Speaking of childbirth, hey, Nick, do you know what the chainsaw was invented for? Hint, it's not trees. Anyway. Excuse uh, me? No, no, no. We're not passing that. (laughs) (laughs) What? Okay, Nick, I will tell you this, but I need you to understand. I know you know me. I know you know my predilection towards hyperbole and exaggeration, but I need you to understand that once you know this, Uh this is something you will not be able to unknow. Okay? Okay, I'm ready. Okay. Give me that right. knowledge. The chainsaw, not like yeah. the big, like, run na 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 type, but like the original, it was a chain of sharp blades that you would hold on either hand and go, and go like, rung, 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 and saw through a tree with it like that, was not I'm invented for trees. horrified as to where this is going. Yeah, go on. But was, in fact, invented to saw through the human female pelvis in order to uh, separate it into two halves and accommodate childbirth. What the fuck? <laughs> no. She would yeah. die. Oh, yeah, no, that's a given. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> all right. C-section wasn't good enough? We gotta, like, actually nope. saw people all the way open now? Just literally sawing women open, yeah. And, Ooh. um... I can never unknow that, and now neither can you, and neither can the listener, unless you unless you took yeah. the warning I tried to give Nick and just applied it to your own self. We are um, gonna have to content disclaimer this episode. <laughs> yeah, that's I am sure. actually. I'll, I'll do. <laughs> I'll inject a little a little disclaimer because that's that's a little more real life horror than we than we try to bring to the show here. But um, yeah. yes. Oh, I don't. So, I don't mind. Like I, I'm not like violence is not any of the thing. There's a few extremely right. specific things that I will not talk about. But I'm not, you know, that's fine. But of course. Like, yeah, definitely we'll, we'll put a little thing up there. Medical upsetting stuff is, is distinctly different from like murders and stuff. You know, it's very yeah, easy to be upset yeah. by one and not the other. So I, I will, I'll tag that a little bit. But so. Right. Cool. All right. Yeah. The boys head home, uh, with all of the evidence in hand. Uh, mm. Holmes collects a sample of some flaky ashes and some unconsumed brown powder. And then the boys get stupid for science. Yep. Holmes, uh, Holmes get, they go back to the cottage, Holmes, uh, goes out and buys an exact replica of the lamp that was in, um, Trigenesis' rooms, and he buys the same kind of oil that was used there as well. He's trying to recreate the conditions, basically, to see if he's right. And we, we find out later that the, it, 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 it is poison, it was poison, um, but it's an unknown poison, so he has to do a bunch of, he's, so that's the unknown variable there right. is that we he doesn't know what kind of poison it was he's trying to figure it out he he has the ash from the lamp before and yeah. he's like okay the only way that i can he comes to the conclusion that the only way he can figure out if 
he is correct and that was the method that he died was something burning on the lamp that uh that was poisoned and killed him is he has to try it himself and make sure that right he's got he's on the right track and so he he tells watson like hey i'm about to do i'm about to get stupid for science do you want to join me we're gonna burn a little bit of this on the lamp and uh sit down and just see if the effects start to happen to us and right you know and watson we'll be fine we know it's coming if anything happens we'll get it you know it'll be it'll be fine (laughs) it was not fine (laughs) (laughs) it was not it was not fine um so yeah so he starts uh watson agrees they sit down opposite of each other they're watching each other uh holmes is like the second any of us appear to exhibit any symptoms of the poison we're gonna book it all the way out of here uh immediately and yeah so this is a dumb idea but I guess they have to do it. I guess it has to be done. Yeah. Um, for science, and Nick. It's for science. It's just, it's science. And he at least asks Watson if he wants to. And because a very <laughs> scary man wearing a lion for a shirt wants them to. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um. So they, st- so Holmes puts some of the ashes on the lamp. He lights it. They sit down. Watson describes the whole, um, experience immediately. He, uh, uh, there's like a swirling, uh, I think it's like red that he sees, uh, his vision's obscured. He starts feeling nervous and paranoid mm-hmm. and scared. And he starts kind of like, it's, it's not so much that he's seeing stuff. It's just, he's imagining that something yeah. horrible is always happening in the corner of his vision. And, uh, it's this, it's this cool kind of paragraph describing like the effects of what he's feeling. He, he has a moment, uh, Watson then has a moment where he sees through the haze of this, uh, the influence of this, this drug, this poison, and he sees Holmes with the same expression of horror as was on the victim's faces. Mm-hmm. And that is, uh, seeing that makes him snap out of it for a second for long enough to just, uh, grab, grab hold of Holmes, uh, carry him, drag him out of the cottage and out into the fresh air onto the grass. Yes. Um, Effectively saving his whole ass and also Watson's yeah, because his entire ass. I get, he, he, and to be fair, there was no way for Holmes to like, not to, dis- not to ex- at all excuse the stupidity of this whole endeavor. Right. Um, but there was no way for him to tell how much of the poison to use that would be too much. And apparently it's so potent that even just the ashes of it already burnt are enough to immediately, you know, for the sake of the narrative, it makes sense. It's dramatic. Like, right. Absolutely. Well, and he got some of the powder, too. There was some There was some unburnt powder there that he collected as okay, well. Okay, yeah. 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 So, but Holmes Holmes says, holy shit, that was a bad idea. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, it is important to note that in the midst of the paranoia maelstrom in which they found themselves, uh, there's a specific mm-hmm. phrase used that Watson had the impression of, quote, some unspeakable dweller upon the threshold whose very shadow would blast my soul. And that tickled my remembering bits. I thought maybe that was a Lovecraft reference. So I looked that up. Not a Lovecraft reference. I was thinking of the lurker on the threshold and the dweller in darkness, which are two different Lovecraft things, because he had a very small thesaurus that he used as thoroughly as he could but um the dweller the dweller on the threshold is a thing it is a an entity mentioned in a novel called zanoni which was published in 1842 by a gentleman called edward bulwer lytton now Hmm. uh 
In this novel, the Dweller on the Threshold is a malevolent entity, quote, that embodies the sum of all darkness a person has accumulated throughout the incarnations he or she has lived. So this is like the shadow, uh. <laughs> yeah, this is, this is your worst self coming to bear on you through all of the lives you have lived. And what's interesting is, damn, the shadow of all your sins. Yeah. Exactly. Real bad shit. <laughs> um, this cat was involved heavily in um, a spiritual system called Theosophy, which I am not competent enough to speak to. But <laughs> I do know that it's heavily related to spiritualism, which is a thing that we know Arthur Conan Doyle was very into. Yep. So, We've connected them. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it is yeah. it is not it does not strain the imagination or credulity to imagine that uh that Doyle had read this book, maybe he met this cat. Um I don't know, if it was published in 1842, this was a long time after that, so he probably didn't meet him, but it's it's safe yeah. to say he had read this book and was taking some influence from that. So that was a fun little mm. shout out, and I liked it a lot. Uh, uh, Conan Doyle does that where, like, he gets into little tiny, like, micro-moods in his stories, where, remember when he suddenly wanted it to be, like, a Chicago gang story from a couple episodes yeah. ago? He does yeah, that. the gang. Yeah. The gang. He does that mm-hmm. very early on in this, where he describes the ocean as, like, treacherous and the home of many a wrecked ship. Like, he, he it turns into a mm-hmm. nautical story for, like, three paragraphs. And it does the same I love thing it. here. It's so yeah, good. It, it's like it just turns into this yeah, existential nightmare for two paragraphs. It, it's like it's like how some episodes of Deep Space Nine are like this man is committing war crimes and we have to bring him to justice, and then other episode of it, other episodes of Deep Space Nine are like Bashir and O'Brien are screwing around on the holodeck, having a good old time. <laughs> We're around, yeah. Then, God. By the way, dude, we are three episodes away from finishing DS Nine, and <gasps> yes, I can't... finally, I'm so excited. <laughs> I cannot handle this shit, dude. Like, it's I don't know so if Odo is going to be once. okay. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I'm betting I have two big bets for the end of the series. I was talking to my wife. Okay. Two big okay. bets. Number one, I am betting that at least one top billing main cast character is going to die. Mm-hmm. And two, after this, I don't think there's going to be a Deep Space Nine anymore. Or Terraknor, or whatever you want to call it. I don't know if it's going to be destroyed. I don't know if it's going to be decommissioned mm-hmm. or whatever. I think it's not going to be there anymore as a result of the Dominion War. So those are, your t- I'm, yeah. those are my predictions. And mm-hmm. I'm sure all you listeners out there uh, have, have are shouting <laughs> things at me about I'm I'm almost correct, but I'm just wrong enough for it to break my heart when it when I run up against the stone that awaits me in the future. But yes, I just have to. I will not say anything other than I okay. cannot wait for you to re-listen to this episode and you saying that specifically after you've actually finished it. That's oh son say. of a bitch. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> future Casey, I'm sorry. Future Casey, I didn't know. <laughs> I was a more Ooh, innocent buddy. person then. I hadn't seen what you had seen. <laughs> God. Oh, okay. Okay, so they're, they just escaped their real bad trip. Um, yeah, they just almost died, and then Holmes has solved the case. <laughs> yes, essentially. Yeah. Um, Holmes believes that this whole incident points to Trigenis being the murderer in the first incident and the murderee in the second incident, and that furthermore, <laughs> he fibbed about seeing movement in the garden for to misdirect everyone, and then he threw the stuff in the fire as he left. Watson wonders, well, was this suicide? Was it remorse for the murderings? And Holmes says, nah, dude, that's dumb. 
And then Craven <laughs> the Hunter shows up, Mr. Jaguar Jeggings himself. Mm-hmm. And what does this guy want? Yep. Uh, he, Holmes has called him there. Um, and he, he arrives at the cottage, uh, not really sure why he's there, hoping that he will get more information about, uh, the case. Why am I here? I could be killing things. (laughs) And, uh, he's like, there's a lion out there with my name on it. Um, I have done almost no killing on the way over here. (laughs) I have a quota to meet. I threw some cottage cheese at the man's face, but I have no guarantee it ended in his death. <laughs> uh, we, we're we totally skipping over the part where Holmes, A, apologizes to Watson with no strings whatsoever, like, unbackhanded apology, just straight oh, that's up. that's right. And also, yeah. like, Watson, like, it just confesses that he, you know, it's his pleasure to help Holmes, and it's his... Joy yeah. and privilege to help you, and like it's just a very, it's a great scene. Like definitely, it like, is. It's it's very sweet and very touching. Holmes does a yeah, he does a full he does a full Andy Dwyer from the bottom of my heart. My bad. My and bad. Uh, yeah. Watson says <laughs> that's okay. Watson, frankly, had been looking for an excuse to tackle him for a little while anyway. <laughs> Whether out of malice or anything else, you leave that up to you. Anyway, yeah, no, that's a great scene. I love it. Um. And so yeah, so Doctor uh, Doctor Lion Man, um, yeah, Doctor Professor Holmes, Jaguar Jaggings, <laughs> Professor Jaguar Jaggings uh, shows up, and Holmes basically uh, he he basically uh, accuses him at that point, right? Yeah, he he's kind of like, dude, like we know you were involved with this. Do you want to go ahead yeah. and like own up to it? And he's like, nah. And Holmes is like, well, what if I tell you everything that you did in the last, uh, in the last few hours on your way over here? And then maybe, you know, maybe then you'll be, and, right. uh, yeah. So, um, Holmes basically, uh, tells Dr. Uh, Sterndale everything that he did. So yeah, Holmes tells him they got to talk about how Trevenus, Trevenus is very dead. And Watson says that he wishes he was armed because, uh, Dr. Professor, uh, Jaguar Jeggings suddenly turns red and he launches itself himself at Holmes like a cat, like a predator cat, but then stops himself and settles instead into a tranquil fury. Zenda, his face black, his eyes red. And he says, I have lived so long. No, sorry. <clears throat> Let me put on my filter. I have lived so long among savages and beyond the law that I have got into the way of being a law to myself. You would do well, Mr. Holmes, not to forget it, for I have no desire to do you an injury. You know, clearly trying to sound like a badass, like, I don't need my bros to hold me back. I'm my own bro holding me back. That's, yeah, which doesn't make sense (laughs) if you think about it, because, like, if you're strong enough to hold you back, then shouldn't you be strong enough to break through the holding you back? It falls apart under any amount of scrutiny, Nicholas. And to which Holmes replies... Nor have I any really, desire to... <laughs> can't really argue with that one. And I'm not going to try. <laughs> to which Holmes replies, Nor have I any desire to do you an injury, Dr. Sterndale. Surely the clearest proof of that is that, knowing what I know, I have sent for you and not the police. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's uh, uh, it's an... Uh, an armor-piercing response. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it's kind of yeah, like a little, was... like... Or even, like, a brawn versus brain moment where it's just like, I could easily kill you right now, and Holmes is like, I could do, just not directly. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It was it was I a real... A right real... 
wham line is what it is. So Holmes charges him with the death of Trigenis, explains he's been trailing him. He knows that the gravel had to come from here, this gravel that he used to throw at Trigenis's windle until he agreed to come out. And then he climbed in via the windle, talked to Trigenis, and then left by that self-same aperture. Holmes is giving uh, Dr. Jaguar Jeggings uh, one more chance. He's saying, look, Mm -hmm. you just tell me. I'm going to ask you once. You tell me why. Honestly, you killed this man. Or this becomes a matter for the police, and it is out of my hands. Dr. I want to call him January Jeggings, and I'm not sure why. (laughs) (laughs) Dr. (laughs) Dr. Jaguar Jeggings uh, says that he and Brenda Trigenis were in the love, but they could not marry. He had a wife who had left him years ago, because I have to imagine he was insufferable. (laughs) But uh, whom he... But he could not divorce her because of English law, which is weird when you consider that a lot of English law and religion is based specifically around the ability to divorce women for basically any reason. So I would right. love to know what the specific <laughs> circumstances were. The whole I don't thing know. about him, uh, Holmes wanting to know the reason why he married this guy is nice, but I want to know why his wife divorced him. What was that about? Yeah, what, for real. There's what, another why story. He, why he couldn't? Why he couldn't divorce his wife is what I want to say. Like, what's all right? Nice murder, whatever. But like, what's that about? I can't keep waking up covered in blood every morning, Leon. It's not yours. <laughs> what is problem? <laughs> they got a pet cheetah. I don't <laughs> want got... an emu shake for breakfast. <laughs> Okay, it's fine. Just light beaks. Light beaks. No problem. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. So they couldn't get married. And uh, and he was just going to leave forever. He was going to head off to Africa uh, and form a band called Toto, who were misinformed about many aspects of Africa, including the fact that Kilimanjaro is not on a Serengeti. So that's why the vicar wired him uh, when she died. And why he didn't give a shit about his bags going to Africa, because he had more important things going on, like the death of the woman right. he loves. He produces a bottle of Radix Pedis Diaboli, Devil's Foot Root, uh, which Watson has never heard of because it has not yet entered into European medical or toxicological knowledge. Now, a word on toxicology. Rad. That is the word. Yes. Agree. Yeah. There was a Absolutely. time in my life when I wanted to be a toxicologist. There was one book in the Lancaster Public Library all about toxins and venoms and similar mm-hmm. that I... Not the Spider-Man venom, although uh, there are a great many books on those, too, that are definitely worth investigating. But, um, uh, yeah, there was, there was a time in my life when I just wanted to read about, like, the blue-ringed octopus and how to mm-hmm, tell mm-hmm. how to tell which snake would kill you and similar and uh this just brought back absolutely all absolutely cool as hell all the ways it's the coolest the shit nasty ways you all the different unique ways you can die violently <laughs> by just how are we alive right now Nick? There, Nate, right like we eat so much stuff that like one cooking step removed could just kill you instantly yep <laughs> yeah yeah um, it's not. So yeah, this guy, the reason why Watson hasn't heard of this, uh, Devil's Foot Root is because Dr. Sterndale basically discovered it himself. The only existing, right. um, at least in England, the only, um, existing, uh, sample of it was in Dr. Sterndale's house. He invited, right. um, he invited Trojanus over. He kept on good terms with, he didn't really care about the Trojanus brothers. He didn't like them very much, but right. for the sake of Brenda Trojanus, he tolerated them. Mortimer Trigenis was over there one day, and yeah. he did Sarnia what you do with your his... with your significant other's family. Yeah. You know, 
You show an interest. He's like, well, what? Here's my stuff. Your dad here's my is super pups. into grilling. Yeah, this is going to be great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know so much about that. Yeah. yeah. So Mortimer was over there one day, um, and that's when he learned of the um, the poison. Uh, so at some point during the visit, he stole a sample of it from Sterndale's house, took it, took it home, right. murdered his siblings with it. Um, and like Sterndale immediately, uh, once he heard about it, uh, once he heard of the method of their deaths, he, he right. knew what had happened because there was nothing else that it could have been. Um, and he concluded that there was no way because the poison was unheard of and untraceable, uh, or like you know, autopsy you couldn't you couldn't right. determine what killed. Uh, he he just he concluded that the police would never be able to find out what it would remain a mystery and justice would not be served. He had to serve. He had to be his own judge and jury, basically. Right. So well, yeah. he was he was used to being a law unto himself, and since mm-hmm. the law outside himself wasn't going to be able to do anything about this, not through any fault of its own, really, but just because right. of the circumstances, yeah, he decided that he wasn't that about he... to wait around and for the police to maybe solve the case and maybe like, exactly go after Tres and arrest him. Yeah, he's he's like, well, I could just take, deal with this right now and then go off to Africa yeah. and have to worry about it. Problem solved. Revenge, revenge yeah. solved. So he had his he had his gorilla butler uh, make him a fresh. <laughs> Yeah. A fresh emu smoothie, and then he got to murdering. Mm-hmm. Um, you gotta keep your energy up, you know. Um, and really do. <laughs> is it emu smoothie from something, or did you just pull that out of your head? Nope. Is that a Casey? Emu smoothie. Is that a Casey? Right Hill's off original? the old dome piece. <laughs> All right. I love it. Um, <laughs> you should sell that. You should bottle that Casey Hill's original. Emu smoothies. Emu smoothies, so everybody. You, you got you got the pulp version, which is has feathers in it. You got the no pulp version. It's yep. great. No beaks, <laughs> extra champion. beaks. Breakfast of lethal birds. <laughs> <laughs> like we so, joke about it, but like an emu, an ostrich, a cassowary, all them big feather boys, they'll fuck you up, dude. They will. They're yeah. It's scary. The first time they're I, like, dinosaurs. Saw those birds. Yeah, they are. <laughs> I'm just saying they're um, worthy. They're worthy prey. I I don't I don't oh, look sure. down on on jaguar jeggings for hunting the emu. It's it's either going to be the emu or it's going to be him. People are acting out. People are acting like lions are the most dangerous thing you're going to find out there. Absolutely not. There's so no. everything in everything in Africa will kill you. <laughs> yeah, except for elephants. If you're nice to them. Yo, no, elephants are cool. <laughs> yeah, but there was okay. So there's a children's show that my wee nephew is very into called Peppa. Pig. It is about a wee British pig and her family. It's adorable. It's so popular in America that little wee children are learning to speak with little traces of British accent. It's great. But apparently an episode of it was banned in Australia. And like the big foo about it was because uh, Australia, unfortunately, is still filled with a lot of racist people. And they were like, oh, is it because they're pigs and they don't want to offend the Muslims? Rah, rah, rah. No, shut up. You're an idiot. Quit being racist. It was banned in Australia because it's an episode that teaches you you don't need to be scared of spiders. Spiders are your friends. And in Australia, that is sentencing your child to death. <laughs> yeah, no. Not in Australia, they're not. You kill that right not away. A good le- not a good lesson. Not a universal message. No. Yeah. <laughs> God. That's really funny. Just the whole, like, joke that Australia is just this 
just this. <laughs> it's a like, nightmare factory. It's everything is trying to kill you there. <laughs> it's where God yeah. sent everything he's afraid of. It's God. It's it's the worst. Okay, and then he so, put Steve Irwin there and was like, "You got this, buddy." And he was right. He didn't. He did <laughs> not got this. No. <laughs> Sad. Yeah. All right. So yes, he murdered that man, and uh, then pretty reasonably, actually said, "All right, well, I, I've arranged this murder, and uh, I'm gonna just go to Africa for like." the rest of my life so that's fine <laughs> and yeah. proceeded to no, do that yeah well holmes determines that he he basically determines that if if he had not been there everything would have happened exactly the same he only yeah it's a real five orange pips situation th- yeah 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 and he's just kind of like well you know like he he asks him are you are you planning on like what are you planning on doing next like are you planning on murdering more people with poison or what and so right. I was like, nah, I just want to continue my work. I just, I'm, I'm done. Like, I, I don't want, I have any intention of killing anyone else. I just want to go back to my work. Yeah. And I was like, I, I don't see a problem with that. He did murder three people. You only murdered one murderer. You're good to go, right. buddy. Like, that's good enough for me, basically. Yeah, Holmes is um, all right with this. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's solved. The case is solved. And, but no one really gets arrested. It's just kind of like, that that's you know it, it it's good yeah. as it is you know it's it just kind of it just kind of really, ends there wouldn't be a point in uh apprehending him there because wouldn't. it wouldn't serve anything it wouldn't fix anything it wouldn't protect anyone it wouldn't it wouldn't yeah. execute any of the intended functions of the law now like <laughs> admittedly this guy held a man at gunpoint and forced him to inhale hallucinogens that are so terrifying they kill you. And that's a, that's a yeah. fucked up thing to do. But like, it I guess is. that's, <laughs> I guess that's between him and, him and whatever like terrifying beast god he worships. I don't know. Yeah, Holmes right. is not, Holmes is not prepared to prevent him from going back to Africa and spending the last half of his life there, uh, to finish his work. What work? We don't know. I guess he hasn't killed all the animals yet, but whatever it is, <laughs> Holmes says, you can go do that. We're not going to stop you. Yep. And then Holmes uh, just goes back to his his books of ancient grammar and uh, linguistic anthropology, and they presumably have a lovely holiday thereafter. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and that's, that's that. Oh. That's the devil's foot. It yeah. was. It's called the devil's foot root because it looks like a hoof there. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> it looks like in its in its yeah, in its found state it looks like uh like a combination between a human foot and a goat hoof and they're like, "Oh, the devil." Yeah. So, yeah, that's why Oh, uh, the devil uh, obviously. Yeah. yeah. I, Surely. I quite like this story. I I, did too. I like a lot of the stories that um and uh and kind of like this where the guy where who the person who did it gets off because it's it's like justice is like Holmes gets to do his own justice basically. He right. gets to decide what happens and it's just it's kind of interesting a lot of that you get to sort of weigh for yourself whether it's like w- would you do you agree or would you like rather he be arrested at the end for murder it's right. like I I personally don't care I think he he was justified um he's do yeah no uh, call it a wash honestly it's yeah, kind of it's on, an examination of the kind we get of the relationship between law and morality 
because mm-hmm. like there's what's right and there's what's right and Mary the Twain shall meet but like when you look at what this guy did like there's one less murderer in the world the world has like a net gain now it's fine it's yeah. probably fine yeah. it's not fine it's really not fine but it's kind of fine right it's uh, still murder I don't, I don't know yeah it's still I don't know. definitely and it, murder and it's just something that is a theme throughout all different kinds of fiction and all different and real life uh is like how much yeah. gray morality is like are, you're either for it or not basically it's like you're either right. kind of it seems to me that you're either in the camp of like things have to be black and white otherwise it, it's not worth all the things that'll slip through the cracks you know right. we have to just there has to be one or the other and then there's the camp of everything is so weird already that there's different rules depending on the situation and yeah. you know it's there it's people from one can agree with the other and it's just it it, it is it's circumstantial I was, in some cases yeah it is it's circumstantial because the law is useless unless it covers every possible circumstance and it's not it's not possible for it to cover every possible circumstance it's not yeah there's just too much weird stuff happening constantly <laughs> there's too much it's impossible there's uh there's a yeah. short story i was reading about i haven't read it but it's called the cold equations and it has to do with a man who is flying a space ship nicholas a ship mm-hmm. in space he's flying it to a planet where some settlers need a vaccine or they are all going to die and there's there's no question mm-hmm. about that that is what will happen if he doesn't bring this to them okay he because of the way things work he has to uh he has only enough fuel exactly only enough fuel to get to the planet he can't make any stops he can't afford any extra cargo any extra weight anything this is already going to be razor thin and on the Mm -hmm. way there he discovers that a little girl has stowed away because like she wants to see one of the colonists because she's uh his sister or something i forget Mm -hmm. but like Mm -hmm. the entire story is an examination of like these are the facts this little girl cannot is incapable of flying or landing this ship so mm-hmm. but if i it's it, it they don't have enough fuel if there are both of them on that ship they don't have enough fuel to make it there so they will die in space and the colonists will die on the ground that is simply the math of how this works so mm-hmm. in order for the ship to reach the colony one of them has to be spaced one of them has to be jettisoned from the airlock and the man yeah. is saying the man is trying to find any way, any way for it to be him instead of this little girl. She can't fly the plane. She can't land the spaceship. Mm-hmm. And there's, yeah. and like, and these many, many people are objectively, all of them are going to die unless she does. And the whole story is just an exercise in him trying to square, like, this little girl launching herself into space and killing herself is objectively the correct thing to do and trying to trying to square that within himself as he allows it oh that's intense (laughs) it's fucking rough dude i don't even want to read it i just read about it and got very upset but yeah if (laughs) yeah (laughs) if you really want to torture yourself go read the cold equations and uh let Mm -hmm. us know what you think i liked this story a lot too um i'm a sucker for supernatural crime dramas that are actually supernatural, I'm not generally a fan of, it wasn't ghosts, you dum-dum, there's no such thing. But I think this, mm-hmm. I think this handled that without straying into that. Um, it was a yeah. good story. I liked it a lot. Mm-hmm. I like how creepy the setting was. 
I like mm-hmm. uh, Doctor Jaguar Jeggings. He's awesome. Mm-hmm. Oh, by the way, did you did you have a uh, did you have a what do you call him a Huxtable Award? Oh yeah. Um, let's see. I I want to give it to the vicar who, yep. upon realizing that from his point of view that the devil had been in his house still manages to go out and get the first person who he thinks will help him, Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. <laughs> no Absolutely. Not spiritual believer person, but is just like, hey, I just am concerned for my for my tenant here. Like we're not even friends, but yeah. I just care about him. You know, like hundred percent same. Yeah. Like I, nice the guy. vicar's yeah. <laughs> the vicar's mine too. Because I have to imagine that every holy man, like I'm I'm a relatively firm theist you know i'm i'm a baha'i and i you know but uh, but i have i have days where i go back and forth on it man is it all literal is Mm. it all symbolic is it any of it real who the fuck knows but like i have to imagine Mm. that every holy man has days where he's like there's probably not a god but at least i'm doing good work and helping people you know whatever (laughs) it's fine yeah but then i but then if this holy man is presented with this test of faith he's like no it is the devil the devil is here <laughs> fucking up your territory what are you gonna mm-hmm. do about it and this guy just saddles up this guy just locks and loads and he's prepared to literally yep. fight the devil <laughs> if he has to it's awesome <laughs> he's like get out of here get out of my house <laughs> yeah yeah so this dude yeah, yeah vade like retro mexicana this guy's awesome he was great so he gets both of our huxtables and he earned it well let's see what we're gonna read next time I'm just gonna go ahead and roll my d's 100 here I uh, got number 44, which is actually the very last one in this list, because we've read all the others. Number 44 is 1926's The Retired Color Man. Do you know this one? Um, I... I... Not really. I don't remember it at all, Oh, dang. Yeah. Okay. I'm not even going to say what I Fair think enough. I remember it being about, but, um... Yeah, no, I'm I'm excited to reread this one. I, I don't remember hardly anything about right it. Right on. It's going to be good. <laughs> we'll check it out. Well, mm-hmm. uh, that's your that's your Holmes work for next week, all our buddies. Go ahead and read The Retired Color Man, unless it turns out to be very racist, as the title makes me afraid it may be. Until then, no, uh, I, you I, can... I think, uh, I think that's a reference. I think Color Man is a reference to, like, some, some like kind of... Like a flag of, bearer? Uh, it's either a military thing or a painting yeah. thing. I can't it remember. It sounds military. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay, so go ahead and read that. Um, you can find us on Twitter at the final podblum. We would love to hear from you. Uh, you can find each of us on there as well. You can find me at Hotel Theotokos and Nick at Wayfarers underscore all. You can tweet at us. You can tweet about us. You can tell a friend about the program if you'd like. You can find us on Patreon under Semi-Automagic, and if you become one of our donors, five bucks a month gets you the key to episodes most of a week early, most times, when GarageBand <laughs> and Audacity don't conspire to give you your very first lost episode, um, and you also get the pre-show goofs, where we just talk about stuff before we record. Today's was actually really good. We hit some really good stuff, and it explained a mystery about Nick that I had wondered about for quite some time. So if your Nick knowledge could use an expansion, listeners, consider Pony Up. Five bucks a month. Uh, you can also go to Nick's Redbubble, uh, a link to which can be found in his Twitter bio, and buy some of his fantastic prints of nature and of breakfast food. Right, Nick? You're finally putting oh. prints of breakfast food up, right? I, As soon as I have some beautiful breakfast food to shoot, I will definitely do that. 
I, I will get on it because it's I feel a poor you craftsman who up, blames his tools. You Nick. will show up physically at my house and cook me it. a sandwich and make me take a picture. I'll do it. <laughs> I will make you a croque masseur. All right. All right. I'll serve tea. Until then, all our buddies, uh, have a great week. Be good to each other. Try not to have too much salt if you can help it. And uh, where you'll get very dehydrated. Trust me, you will. You'll get very dehydrated. Your fingers will get all swollen if your sodium intake is too high. I know mine do. So um, it's yeah, it's it's rough out there. Hydrate, dress comfy, do your best. We love you. We're rooting for you. (laughs) Final problem. Thank you for listening. There you go. That's the sign off. I'm fine with it. Bye, all our buddies. We love you. All right, cool. Sounds good. (laughs) Bye. Bye. This week we read The Adventure of the Devil's Foot. Oh, for the... I guess I got the European edition. I read The Devil's Meter. What? (laughs) (laughs) Dumb! I don't get it. Oh, because it's like a foot in it. Yeah, no, it's not funny. Don't worry about it. (laughs) Okay, I guess we know which one's going in the goof stuff. This week we read The Adventure of the Devil's Foot. Oh, oh, Devil's Foot. Well, no wonder this cake tastes so bad. Oh, okay. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) They're both equally awful.